Hey there, nature lovers. Welcome to 2022. So nice to see y'all. Have you back with us. But without further ado, why don't we get into it? Well, hey there, folks. Welcome to another episode, the first one of 2022, in fact, of the Birdie Bunch podcast, where we talk everything conservation, education, fascination. Now, we are the Birdie Bunch podcast. We've always had that as our main tenants. That ain't going to change. However, that said, just as a quick warning, with the new year comes a new S. As you go forward, you're going to hear a slightly altered episode format, and we're changing things up on y'all, just like on social media. So have no fear. We'll always be here, but we're super excited to bring you a new updated format of the Birdie Bunch podcast. Now, who is this we I'm referring to? It ain't no Frenchman, no wee wee. No, it's my good friends and co-hosts. That's Matt, and I'm CJ. What? What? And I think I'm Brittany. <laughs> wee wee. <laughs> you gotta. You are off your games today, pal. It's been since last year. Wee wee. It's been a whole year. No, it hasn't been a whole year. It's been a year. That's incorrect. It's been a year. That's incorrect. <laughs> How are y'all doing, CJ and Brittany, since this it's been a year since I've seen y'all? A little concerned for your <laughs> your mental status. Um I think other have, than that. I think y'all have forgotten who my recording persona is. It's been a while since we've recorded. I think you've forgotten who your recording <laughs> persona is. Okay, I mean they're not mutually exclusive, por qué no los dos. Um, but no, I, I mean I've been okay. Um, I'm, uh, you know, it's, it's the winter's time. We've had our, our first snow and it's what is cold like? as heck, cold as heck. So other than that, it's been Missouri fun. hasn't gotten any yet. Well, you know what? You With all misery. this snow, it's almost like I am in misery. Welcome. I like the snow. Darkness, my old friend. <laughs> Matt, how are you? I like the snow. Let's move into our first. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, I, I rang in the new year pretty nicely. Um, You might have seen on social media, but somehow my first bird of the year was American Kestrel. I didn't look outside January 1st, never saw a bird, nothing, didn't look at my feeders, anything. The next day I went birding, drove down the road, didn't pay attention because I was driving in snow. Fun fact, you should pay attention to the roads when you're doing that. The road's not a bird. But as I pulled in the parking lot, I see a Kestrel going overhead. So I'm choosing to manifest that 2022 will be a good year uh, just because of that bird. So I'm excited. You know, we'll see where this year takes us. It's going to be, I'm glad y'all are along for the ride with it. Do you guys have any like big New Year's resolutions? Do you make them? Do you have them? Give me details. My resolution every year is to just lean into the things that make me happy the next year. So that's. That's all it ends up being. It's just choose happiness. That's choose beautiful. Love. How about you, Brittany? Not so far this year. Last year, I had some big, big New Year's resolutions that I succeeded in and did and was ha really happy about. But, you know, I haven't really thought too much about it for this year. I know that there's always big things that I want to accomplish, but. We'll see. I kind of like your just leaning into happiness. That's it's, that's really beautiful. That's all I we like can it. do. Yeah, that's all we can I mean, do. Yeah, I think that's a good point. I don't necessarily have any formalized resolutions, but you know, it's always good spending the year with my friends Matt and Brittany. So it sure that's a big is. one. I am a bit confused, Brittany, that you would uh, um, one of your last year's resolutions would be to choose to live in a state of misery. However, I guess I can. I don't know. Maybe empathize. Well, see, so, I would never choose it, but I do it every day. Yeah. So <laughs> misery does. I don't choose misery. Misery chooses me. Anyway, let's move on to our first segment of the week. Our creature feature. Anyways, yes. Jump into the creature feature. All right. So this week's creature feature is uh, a, a unique one. And the only way that I can really tease it, uh, it, it's 
it's a mythical creature to be fair when i when i say the word rebirth what do you guys normally think of oh i know this it's from harry potter right i've never seen or read it so i don't know I, if I, I think, I mean, it's I probably know what Matt is creature. talking about. It's one of the books is one of the books has it in the name, so I'm sure it's in Harry Potter. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, one hundred percent. Yeah, it's obviously a slime mold. <laughs> yeah, also known as a phoenix. <laughs> it's a phoenix. Yeah, yeah, it's a phoenix. <laughs> but it it is a phoenix. So phoenix, that's the whole myth of the phoenix is that it's reborn from the ashes, and you know that. The idea of rebirth, the idea of a new year, really got me kind of inspired to make our creature feature this week something inspired by the phoenix. But the phoenix itself was actually inspired by an extinct species of bird. So this week's creature feature is actually an extinct, extinct species called the Bennu heron. Now, it's debated whether or not this creature exists, but fossils have been found to prove its existence. But it was very heavily tied into Egyptian mythology. Basically, it's a giant heron which represented the ancient Egyptian deity, Bennu. And it's sometimes thought to have been around and extinct before the year 1800 BC. There is evidence, however, to suggest that this animal might have existed even in Egypt in as early as the 19th century. So, a little bit of cryptozoology happening here, but... So, like I said, it's an extinct species of heron um, from the area that is now known as the United Arab Emirates. And like I said, it was uh, an inspiration for the Bennu deity in Egyptian mythology. Now, what does that even, what does that mean? Well, you know what, let's find out together. Um, <laughs> basically, Bennu was a self-created being said to have played a role in the creation of the world. Uh, he was said to be like the offspring of like the sun god Ra and have enabled the creations, creative actions of other gods. And it was a symbol of rebirth and therefore associated with the phoenix. So that's kind of the inspiration of the phoenix. Now, the Bennu heron, uh, it, through its fossils, has actually been discovered to be the largest heron to ever exist, even larger than the current species of heron, the Goliath heron. It stood at approximately 2 meters tall, or 6.6 .6 feet, and had a wingspan of, to, of up to 2.7 meters, or 8.9 feet. So it was freaking massive. And uh, it's it's said to be the largest heron to have existed. So that's our creature this week on the phoenix or the Bennu heron. I'm curious, as I tend to be, if anyone else sees the irony in the phoenix, the symbol of rebirth, being based off of a species that is extinct and has not come back yeah i mean that's, that's fair <laughs> <laughs> those phoenixes they come back but not that one yeah i mean we should really say i, I should have made the creature feature the elder rail instead now the Aldabra rail is a phoenix. <laughs> uh, so the Aldabra rail, it's a species of uh, a water bird similar to a heron, but it's much, much smaller. Mm -hmm. But it actually went extinct on the island of Aldabra um, <laughs> and just re-evolved itself. Yeah. So that's the Aldabra rail. But the species did exist at one point. So that's why uh, the phoenix was based on it. You can, it is... you can like argue, though, that even though the heron is extinct, the fact that like the phoenix, the, the phoenix ex it, itself is kind of like a rebirth of it, right? Like it kind of gets to live Ooh. on in this mythical creature. Yeah. It's getting meta. <laughs> it's getting I love meta. that for the Bennu heron. That's wonderful. Yeah. yeah. Quite the legacy. I will. Yeah. So that is, uh, I feel, I felt like rebirth was kind of a fitting theme for the new year. Mm -hmm. And, you know, new year, new resolutions, new bird, um, Bennu Heron, biggest heron to exist. So with this like idea of rebirth that actually ties into the current event for today as well. Nice. Well, let's cut to that segment right now. Thank you. 
So today's current event comes from ABC News, and technically the event happened in December. However, it is too good not to share. And so in um, New Orleans, a critically endangered orangutan was born. The uh, orangutan gave birth to a healthy male baby. So there's there's a yay side and then there's also a sad side. So everybody's very pumped that this 12-year-old orangutan gave birth to the first baby without any problems that happened on Christmas Eve. But as keepers were watching the orangutan, they noticed that they noticed her having some troubles and just having some, um, just some difficulties. And so they actually brought in a specialist and an OBGYN to who treats, you know, humans and they anesthetized her and did an ultrasound. And they did find out that she was actually carrying twins. And so this is where the downer part comes in. The twin unfortunately did, did die in the womb. Um, and which was what was causing her to have so much stress. However, um, they were able to do a C-section, um, remove that uh, that fetus, and then, and but they still have this healthy, beautiful baby boy. And so, when they were talking about her, the orangutan's pregnancy in October, they said there's about a one percent chance for orangutans to have twins and they're super high high risk. So the fact that one had passed away wasn't super um, surprising. Um, however, it is a, a big huzzah for just orangutan spe- the species um, just because they're so critically endangered. And now they have a new male orangutan who is going to one day grow up and just be able to genetically help and diversify the population. And so it's super exciting and happy overall. What are y'all's thoughts and feelings? I do think it's a, you know, pretty, aside from the the second part tragedy, um, but I do think it is a pretty strong, positive notion of rebirth, of birth slash rebirth slash all, you know, that fun stuff. But regardless, I do think that it's important to recognize and evaluate and not trivialize the success of zoos in conservation. And this is a huge, huge, huge step that I think in a way also highlights the rebirth of the zoo as a conservation institution in history. Um, There's a lot of rebirth going on right now. I've heard good things about this rebirth stuff. So. It's exciting to see. It's a it's a wonderful story. Yeah, I mean, I I think I can pretty much say definitively that here at the Birdie Bunch, we're pretty pro zoo uh, with all of us coming from that background. So, you know, I I love hearing a a story where, you know, something really interesting happens in conservation, especially kind of involving the conservation being done at zoos. Every story has ups and downs, but this one did bring a smile to my face at least a little bit. So I appreciate you sharing that, Brittany. Yeah, thanks a ton for sharing that, Brittany. Like I said, you know, and I think we'll all continue to hint at this through this year, but the notion of rebirth and improvement in conservation especially is one that we can't overlook going forward. But we, with rebirth comes also a reckoning towards the past and looking towards, you know, where we're coming from as well. So why don't we get into this year's topic? <laughs> So like I stated, you know, 2021's been there, done that, you know, bought a t-shirt, unfortunately, and 2022 is here to stay for better or for worse, right? And we've talked a lot about rebirth and the concept of building back better and, you know, all these great things that come with resolutions and, you know, just putting your best foot forward. But at the same time, none of those are possible without remembering where you come from. So I figured, and we all kind of figured that for this episode, just like in the same vein as last year, it might be kind of nice to just do a conservation year in review. So we each have broken up four events um, from each different third of the year, um, going January through April and vice, you know, so on and so forth. So CJ, why don't you give us, give us the business about what happened in conservation in the first third of 2021? 
Yeah, yeah, I can absolutely do that. So a big one that happened here in the United States is um, in uh, early of the year, right? So on uh, January 20th, uh, the day that Biden was sworn in, he signed an executive order, basically beginning a 30-day process to re-enter the global pact of the Paris Climate Agreement, um, which was kind of official uh, come you know mid-February. Um, so this kind of comes from late January, mid-February, I guess, um, mostly February, because that's kind of when it was approved in late 2020. Um, the U.S. had officially exited the Paris Climate Agreement on former President Donald Trump's orders, becoming the first and only country to formally pull out of the deal since it was adopted in 2015. Um, and rejoining the Paris Climate Agreement was a significant step by the Biden administration to reverse the climate policies of the previous four years, in which Trump rolled back and loosened a lot of the environmental and climate regulations and policies. Um, under that you know, Paris Climate Agreement, countries were expected to enhance their commitments to curb greenhouse gas emissions every five years. And the goals of the pact were to limit global warming to, quote, well below two degrees Celsius and to pursue effort to limit 1.5 degrees Celsius, which I'm just going to say this. This is not in any article. You're not going to find this anywhere. But like, that's still a massive change. It's still a massive rise in global temperature. Irrelevant, but like, please know one not exceeding two degrees celsius but limiting yourself to 1.5 is not a huge difference it's still a giant increase in global temperature so you know it's fine um anyway <laughs> biden plans to uh, uh, uh planned to host a climate summit uh past april in, in, in april um I, i'm unsure if that happened i, I believe it did but I, I couldn't find any uh resources on it as of you know recording um in april of last year where the plan was to roll out the U.S.'s goals for carbon emissions by 2030. Um, yeah, I, I don't, I don't know um, specifically whether or not a lot of this has been followed through on, um, <laughs> but you know, it, it was a big step in terms of conservation to the United States to rejoin that Paris Climate Agreement. Another event that happened in that first third of the year last year was Department of the Interior revoked um, internal guidance that limits the enforcement of the Migratory Bird Treaty Act. So towards the beginning of the year, basically the Wildlife Society had urged the Department of the Interior to reconsider the opinion uh, that the Migratory Bird Treaty Act like, basically was as significant as it was. It protects over a thousand migratory bird species across the United States, making it illegal to take, harm, or kill those species without a permit. And the previous administration, um, Donald Trump, basically released a statement towards the end of 2020, beginning of 2021, that it, it was going to change some of the things in the Migratory Bird Treaty Act, which went into effect on March 8th. However, like I said, the Department of the Interior soon made a proposal to kind of reconsider that interpretation of the Migratory Bird Treaty Act to make sense with some of the new regulations, and so those birds were still protected. Um, and later in the year, we saw that those things were actually followed through on and the migratory bird treaty act was protected in a pretty great way um given those regulations that i believe still haven't been overturned another really interesting event that happened in that first quarter of the year third of the year was uh this one's kind of sad the big controversial whale hunt in norway happened basically norway has a, a whaling season basically in which during the month of march over 1200 common mink whales in its upcoming whaling season which uh was a lot so while uh while norwegian government says that its whaling program is sustainable a lot of scientists and conservationists and animal welfare experts disagree and a lot of those anti-whaling advocates also point to a growing body of evidence that suggests that whales play a pivotal role in regulating the marine ecosystem and that whales are worth more alive than dead. There has been a global moratorium, or basically a ban on commercial whaling since 1986, but Norway chooses to reject that ban. Um, and so this past March, um, a lot of articles were released about all of the whaling done in Norway, um, you know, collecting 
meat and fat and you know it's has a variety of purposes and quotes and apparently in 2020 whale meat experienced a slight resurgence as norwegians hoped to they they, they turned to more of this local food during the pandemic and the prime minister uh, of norway said that he hoped that would be an upward trend that would continue into uh throughout 2021 so you know it's uh it's an interesting thing um people's countries takes on uh on whales and conservation but we'll kind of end on some good news here many will remember the uh 2020 bushfires that kind of devastated most of australia and they were devastating for a lot of species but a really significant one in terms of pollinators was bees but steady rain and a lot of community efforts are seeing the return of the uh staple pollinators bees so you know a lot of community action went into um bringing the bees back which makes me really happy um bees are a staple in terms of you know conservation and like plant life because of their significant role as like a key pollinator in that wake of the 2020 2019 2020 bushfires that basically scorched the earth people couldn't find the bees like where the bees were like had all melted out like the wax and there was nothing left and it made like it made community members actively sad so people came together from all across australia this particular article talks about the state of victoria and how you weren't going to have regeneration of plants without the bees so they worked to bring back bees and that has since gone into bringing back plant life bringing back other wildlife which is such a positive thing right they built these quote bee hotels uh, for native bees and wasps and collaborated with indigenous organizations to have a healing ceremony for this valley where locals planted native plant species to facilitate the return of the pollinators. And seeing conservation bounce back in a year that was pretty rough, especially after such a horrifying you know, thing of those bushfires, is, I think, uh, a good sign uh, coming out of 2021. Thank you, CJ, for kind of recapping those first few months of last year. Um, unfortunately, my uh, my beginning of the midsection of our year uh, doesn't really start off too happy or grand, but um, still one of a really big story that happened, and it is talking about a um, FSC certified Indonesian logger who may have cleared a, a whole patch of forest that was a known orangutan habitat. And so um, the report kind of goes on and talks a lot about there it was uh, 14,800 acres of forest between 2016 and 2021 that this logging company had torn down and it was to make um pulp and paper is what the company is is known for and they're the the second largest deforesters um and it talked about how like these group of scientists had said that the area um the the whole area the, those 14,000 acres had been cleared was actually an orangutan habitat and so but when they were doing a bunch of research on the company and things like that um they couldn't find much and so things are kind of um things were really sketchy and the company uh, the, the company itself was sketchy and unfortunately a lot of times when you can't find out a whole lot about a company it's never really good on the up and up um but i couldn't find anything else about like kind of what came of of the them clearing all of that forest and orangutan habitats while there wasn't much information on any conservation um, efforts. The group also appeared to lack a no deforestation, no and no exploitation policy. Indonesian laws and regulations were managing it and taking care of it. So um, it said that they 
never committed any violation or received any complaints from the government. But scientists did say that it was a um, an orangutan habitat. So um, unfortunately, that's kind of how the cookie crumbled um, and is something that we see a lot. And we've I know we've talked quite about about palm oil and just all of the things that are happening with orangutans and their conservation. But as we kind of keep moving through the year, the next event that happened um, happened in June, and it's actually pretty a pretty happy one. The first wolf litter in 80 years was born in Colorado. You guys say Colorado. So Colorado Parks and Wildlife had announced that it spotted at least three gray wolf pups. Um, for the first time, gray wolves had been born in the state in more than 80 years. The last wolf litter that had been seen was in 1940. And the new wolves were spotted um, by both Colorado Parks and Wildlife's biologists and uh, the district manager um, and a couple of other people. And um, the, the pups were observed multiple times near the den site early on in June on a couple different dates. And um, they, the article had said that, you know, there was only, only saw three, but there could have been more since typically wolf litters do consist of at least four to six pups. But, you know, you never know. Um, but it's really exciting. Um, right, gray wolves are... Uh, an endangered species and so the fact that there's now new new little life um, is pretty pretty exciting to see and it was a great great hit for 2021 um, and kind of keeping on with that theme the next really big news came in the end of July which is uh, African wild dogs actually returned to southern Malawi for the first time in 20 years. So we've got some really awesome canid re reintroductions to new or to to more areas um, here in 2021. Um, but 14 endangered African wild dogs had been translocated um, into in attempts to reestablish populations. And there's currently only, or at the time, there had been currently only 6,600 African wild dogs, um, which included 700 breeding pairs um, left on the entire continent of Africa. And so scientists and experts are saying that the, sec the success of translocation kind of will depend upon the, how well the dogs were able to reproduce and form a larger population. And um, but it's uh, kind of like a little beacon of hope that, you know, that these, that they can thrive and, and, and kind of keep repopulating their, for their species. And to kind of round off the middle of the year is a good old article about vaccines, um, which are still pretty prevalent now, but not uh, vaccines for humans, but actually vaccines to be able to save endangered species. So I think we talked about this a little bit in one of the episodes. I think actually it was my current event. Um, but it talked about vaccines and being able to help with diseases that are in endangered species. So diseases and, and things like rabies, swine fever, and looking at ways to be able to vaccinate some of those animals so that before before they can even get them, um, they've got some protection. So I'm um, talking about, you know, chlamydia in koalas and white nose and bats and things like that and how vaccines could be used as a really big portion. And then we learned later on in the year that there is a vaccine is starting to be in the works for that for white nose and bats. So um, it kind of was like a little foreshadowing of what was to come later on that year that we had talked about. But what a what a way to kind of end that middle of the year on uh, a little bit of hope for some of those endangered species. Yeah, one thing that you'll find is that as you go throughout the year, you know, there's a lot of things that you forget happen, but a lot of things that make you hopeful going forward. So that's why I love doing this episode. And 
Admittedly, before I go on, I'd just like to say that 2021 was also an eventful year for all of us. Um, we all had crazy things going on, whether it was with the Birdie Bunch podcast and our personal lives. And so it's super exciting to be recapping what was such a crazy year, um, knowing full well that we all kind of went through it, too. So it's exciting to be sharing with, you know, sharing in this moment with all y'all. I think one of the most important things that happened in 2021 in the middle portion of the year is the fact that I got to join you all as a as a co-host and got to start this amazing journey that y'all have been on and now I'm so happy and truly lucky to get to be a part of as well. That was the middle of the year. Yay. It was the mid. It was the mid. Mid. To kind of round out this year in review, we're going to take it to the end of 2021, September through December. Now, I will say, um, body, duh, I didn't find anything for September, really even October, but I did find a lot of really crazy and important things that happened starting in November. Um, and to start out with, um, November 12th, 2021 was a really good article that came out of Manga Bay recapping how work was starting on a new sanctuary for the captive breeding of Sumatran rhinos. Now, I'm trying to remember actually where Sumatran rhinos can be found. I don't remember what island. Um, Sumatra. Oh. Um, anyways, apparently these Sumatran rhinos can be found in Sumatra, but unfortunately, historically speaking, they're really bad at being found in Sumatra. That's because they're almost all extinct. They are um, of the conservation status by the IUCN critically endangered. And so what's been going on on the island of Sumatra is that they're starting to build this network of captive breeding grounds and facilities and reserves that kind of um, pouch in all these rhinos that are being captively bred in order to sustain and properly rehabilitate the population of Sumatran rhinos, which have been suffering for a lot of reasons, logging, destruction, and degradation, as well as the general, you know, standard issues that surround poaching and all those things are all things that Sumatran rhinos face. And so in 2017, they denoted that captive breeding was really the only way to save Sumatran rhinos just because of such a really devastating issue. But these preserves, um, the newest one, which had just been opened up in 2021, are actually doing a great load of the workhorse, um, the bearing of the workhorse, in order to bring these species back to the prolific nature that they once were. And so this is a really big, big monumental conservation success. It is great seeing emphasis being placed upon rehabilitation and um, re-establishment of such large species, you know, of megafauna, um, that they are taking the time to really set aside a really well-developed and critically thought of network. And so this is one really great conservation story from 2021. Another one being that in studies that were done to kind of outline how um, jaguars were responding to conservation strategies, a lot of which include corridors, preserves. There's also um, this really cool strategy of re-education of farmers and local agriculture owners and like teaching them ways to mitigate jaguar conflict that don't include killing. And so there's a lot of great work that's been going into jaguars in South America and Mexico. But studies that were conducted from 2010 to 2018, which have finally kind of been shown and, you know, properly analyzed, showed that there's been a 20% increase in the Mexican jaguar population, which is about 4,800 individual jaguars. Now, this is a really, really astounding number. This is an incredible success. Um, it increased by about 800. I'm sorry, I, I said about 4,800. 
Um, it was an increase to 4,800 and included about 800 more than previously um, denoted. But regardless of that, you know, seeing a 20% increase in anything, especially a large tier predator in such an agriculturally dominated ecosystem is magnificent. I mean, that is another true success and testament to all the work that's being done in so many areas across the world. Um, jaguar conservation has really taken off in the past couple of years, and it's especially especially been concerning in the past relating to the border wall where um, there was fears that populations of jaguar could actually be segregated from each other. Um, not many people are aware of this, but jaguars can actually be found in North America and the United States um, even, and the sectioning off of individuals by putting up a wall between Mexico and the United States was something that really had the potential to really, really, really bottleneck the species of the jaguar. A bottleneck is when you put a really, really tight restriction on a very small set of individuals. They then perpetuate really bad evolutionary traits and usually die out and go extinct. But we've avoided that for the most part. And in doing so, we've actually increased jaguar conservation. So all these strategies have been working out. They're paying off. And the data is in and shows that this is going on. Now we're going to skip all the way to the end of the year because we had a pretty crazy bird year. And there was a, a lot of birds that were found in places that they didn't need to be cj and i saw a lot of them cj started off 2021 with a brant um and birds just kind of became the theme of our year unfortunately i didn't get to see this one at the very end of the year massachusetts birders were treated to the first ever sighting in the state of the stellar's sea eagle now stellar sea eagles are huge huge fish eating eagles um, native to the eastern side of europe so places like russia well into asia you know china and all those regions and it is a like i said it is a huge bird it is it is a massive massive just powerful looking bird um and birders in massachusetts were really surprised to see a stellar sea eagle pop up and now this is crazy in itself, but this actually tracks itself way back because this year was apparently the the year of the stellar sea eagle. So this happened the week of Christmas about um, when birders saw this bird in Massachusetts. And then about a week later going into the new year, actually on New Year's Eve, it made its way to Maine. And so birders in Georgetown, Maine, actually got to see the bird on New Year's Eve. So within one week, it went from Massachusetts to Maine. And that's pretty crazy sounding because this bird is way already off course. But it actually gets even crazier because earlier in the year, this bird that's native to China and Japan and Korea and Russia was also spotted in 2020 in Alaska's Denali Highway in August 2020. And then that same bird made its way to Nova Scotia in 2021. It was spotted in Texas, which for a while people were like, oh, that's a fake bird report, but it's the same individual. And then made its way to Quebec and to New Brunswick and has now made its way to both Massachusetts and Maine. This bird has been all over North America and is showing no sign of stopping. Nobody's seen it since I believe January 3rd or 4th or something in that manner. But this bird has had a world tour unlike none other and brought thousands and thousands of birders just so much joy wherever it's popped up. And now, unfortunately, all good things must come to an end. And that includes the 99-year life of Betty White. Now, I know you're probably wondering why this is a current conservation event. But what you might know is that Betty White is a huge, was a huge, huge staunch supporter of zoos and wildlife conservation. There were a couple books actually written about her time, uh, the money she donated and all the efforts she put into conservation. She was for a while one of the American zoos most prolific and staunch supporters about it. And, you know, it's unfortunate to see such a titan go as far as, you know, just 
American pop culture go, but also as a conservationist go. And I think it also has something to be said too for how important it is to get people not in conservation into conservation. You know, making conservation accessible is something that we here at the Birdie Month podcast are super duper passionate about. And Betty White is a shining example of that. You know, when you take people who aren't just in this field, who didn't just go to school for zoology or environmental science or conservation or ecology or whatever you've gone for, when you take people with all sets of traits and abilities and personalities and bring them together towards the goal of conservation, just like we did with Betty White and just like Betty White did for generations, good comes from it. And so it is a shame to see her pass, but let it be known she will rest in peace as a huge giant of just conservation support and really ushering zoos back into the age of conservation. There's actually um, going off of this um, on um, January 17th, which would have been Betty White's 100th birthday. Um, there is an initiative going around that um, and to do something to honor her. Um, if you want to donate to um, any type of um, conservation initiative, whether it's your local zoo or aquarium or any any wildlife conservation initiative, um, it'd be a great way to honor her and her legacy in, in zoos. Um, I'm part of a lot of zookeeping groups and her, her death has hit everybody pretty hard. There's a actually an interview with her, and I forget who the interview was done by. Where they asked if you if you didn't become an actress, what you what would you have become? And she was like, "That's easy. It would have been a zookeeper." And so I think for me, that's just like first of all, who doesn't love Betty White? But also again, making those connections. So on January seventeenth, I encourage everybody, all of our listeners, to 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 donate if you can. Absolutely. I actually, I did catch wind of that and I've completely forgotten about it too. So thank you for bringing up uh, that, Brittany. But it is really, truly inspiring to see how, you know, aside from her career, how dedicated she was to conservation. I mean, it is really fascinating and a side of pop culture and of, you know, large media giants to where, you know, I don't really like pop culture. I don't like people being famous for a lot of reasons. I think I don't really care much about like superstars and such like that. I'm usually avoid it, but it is really inspiring to see how someone can take that and turn it into such a positive, uh, such a force for good. So um, rest in peace to you, Betty White. And thank you for bringing us all the way to the end of 2021 and into 22. Hi, it's me, Matt. We're back in 2022 folks. We've taken our brief travel back in time and, we're back to present day. Wow. Time travel. Mm-hmm. And it's almost like you're listening to this in the future because we recorded this before you listened to it. So even crazier. Well, who knows what 2022 conservation news story has happened since we recorded this? Who knows? I bet there was at least one. I bet something happened between now and when you're hearing this nature lover. I bet something will happen even after that nature lover. Wow. Whoa. That's cold. That's bold. Wow. Wow. And I bet there will be something about fish. <laughs> I just, it feels like a fish year. I don't know why. That's a little fishy. Yeah, but oh. 2020 tuna. You're flipping weird, Matthew. It's the year 2020 tuna. 2020 tuna. 2020 tuna. I just it's catching on. Matt, it's catching on. <laughs> Coming at you. Anyways, just wanted to say thank you all. Uh, for sticking around with us for, I think, our first full calendar year, if I'm not mistaken, as the Brady Bunch podcast. You know, we started this in June of 2020, <laughs> but this has been the first full year that we've really, you know, gone through the Brady Bunch podcast. And so through all the highs and lows of the year, as just 2021 happened, it was just a bad year, I think, for everyone. I just wanted to say thank you from the bottom of my heart for hanging with us for another year. And I'm very excited to share another one with all of you, as well as both of you, my co-hosts, my very good friends, I'm very excited going forward into this new year. Yeah, over the course of 2021, we had over 5,000 downloads. We you know, had listeners in over 30 countries. 
We spoke at a conference. We spoke at a conference. We, we did. That's something we did. That's crazy. We started <laughs> grad school and we got jobs and we moved and we, you know, I think well, all, all of us, us didn't do those things, but some of no. us did some of those things. No, but I feel like all three of us as individuals, we've all grown a lot. You know, it's just no, I haven't changed at all. All right, CJ. <laughs> okay. <laughs> There's so much to look forward to, too. And we're so excited to be sharing in this journey through life yeah, and liberty. Yeah, we're glad you're here, Nature Yeah, we're very glad you're here. Into it's going to be an exciting year. And we're very excited to share with you maybe a bit of an updated social media schedule. Now, I'm not going to spoil... We're bi-weekly now, by the way. Yeah, hey, we are but... bi-weekly. I, I, <laughs> maybe, we're, we're bi-weekly. So we'll see you in two weeks. However, we're also excited to share a new social media schedule with you. I won't outline the details, but we're going to alternate yeah, no between spoilers, stories, no spoilers. a bunch of engagement. You know, you'll be seeing a lot more of us um, to fill the gaps with this new bi-weekly schedule. And so we're super excited to bring you that. Hopefully it'll be a bit more engagement between us as individuals, not so much as us as an entity. And if you're super yeah, excited to find all that, I just about to say, and if you're super excited to see all that and to see our stories and our, infographics and all the fun things that we do on instagram go check us out on instagram or facebook at the birdie bunch podcast it's um our personal page what can i say but we also each three of us have our own personal pages so when you're not a part of the birdie bunch podcast my good friends where can they find you on social media you can find me on instagram at cj.greco that's cj.greco um i i've been i've been i posted twice already in 2022 and i'm probably not gonna post for a little bit because that's a lot of content frankly that's all that's all you deserve um <laughs> no you deserve a lot more i'm sorry um but i'm hoping to go out and do some things soon so i'll get some pictures maybe some bur winter burning Brittany, what about you you can find me on instagram at the Brittany underscore bunch, T H E B R I T T A N Y underscore B is in Brichter, U N C H. Because that's never going to change. Um, and I'm going to try to be better about posting. Um, I am pretty stoked. My good friend and co host CJ Greco has got some real cool bird feeders coming my way. So Hopefully, I will get some um, good photos of the birds that are going to come in my backyard. So I'm going yeah, to. I'm expecting you to get some good uh, spring migrants, Brittany. I'm expecting you to get some good spring migrants. I'm excited. I'm excited. So, yeah. What about you, Matt? You can all find me on Instagram. That'll be at Matt Valga, M A T T V A L I G A. I Brittany, tried. why do you do this? Why do you do this, Brittany? Hey, it's your year. fault. New year, new me. No, no, I don't. Year, no, I don't believe it. I believe. I think it's his fault for saying B is a brick there. New year. I new won't do me. it every week. I you, all I I live. I live only reason, for the B is and Victor. The only reason you don't do it every week is because we have not recorded in three weeks. That is the <laughs> only reason. No, there was there was several weeks that I did not do it. I this would love a, for our nature lovers to go back and listen to episode yeah, 20, I actually 29 and 30 <laughs> I where actually, Matt actively hung up the call two of those three weeks. Yeah, so I would like to say... Listen, if new, I get bullied, I'm allowed to bully back. Year, nobody bullied you. <laughs> it was you her husband. Bullied? But I try and engage the best I can. We'll see if it happens. I always make the promise and it never happens. But, you know, sometimes I'm on my story. It's just, I don't take a lot of pictures i'm finding actually but you know if you want to find all of our stuff all three of us combined like i said you can follow us at the birdie bunch podcast you can also find us on our website that is www.thebirdiemunchpodcast.com if you want to learn more of us as individuals if this is your first time stopping by go check out that website um, you can find our bios there you can find all the information that we put in podcasts you can listen um, you can find our merch store as well as our Patreon. Thank you, by the way, Gabe Anderley, for being a continued patron of the Birdie Bunch podcast. Couldn't do it without your support. We really appreciate just your continued support. 
as we've gone through this. If you'd like to go subscribe to our Patreon, you can go find that, like I said, on our website. If you want some merch, that's also on our website. Both the links are down there on the Support Us tab on our website. If you'd like to support us but don't exactly have the means financially, don't fret. We all just got through the Christmas season. If we celebrate and buy, oh, buy, that is a, a heavy hit to the bank account. I am always swiftly reminded by. If you would like to do so, you can, first of all, share this podcast with a friend, right? If you know someone who would like to listen to the podcast, come check us out, you know, share it with them. You know, we love being able to use this as a platform to talk and just hang out with y'all and spread conservation and joy in any way we can. And that predominantly is because of y'all. So if you'd love to share, we would really, really appreciate it. Another way you can support us is by leaving a review. And CJ, I believe we actually do have a new review. Granted, people have had like a month we, to do one since we've last yeah, recorded. Yeah, we have so. had a new review. Yeah. We haven't read it since we uh, well, last recorded. It's been a minute. It's been a minute. Uh, this review is uh, it's from December 12th. So obviously we haven't recorded since then. But it's from Tickler Man Toes. And it says five stars, of course. We'll read out any five-star review. And it says, outstanding. I'm new to the bunch, but I've been absolutely loving it. I've learned so much, and I can't wait to get all caught up and grab some merchandise to help you all out in any way I can. I tell all my friends and family and can't wait to see where y'all will take me next. Exclamation point, exclamation point, exclamation point. Thanks, Tickler Man Toes. We are uh, absolutely tickled by that review. Yeah, you certainly tickled our fancy. We appreciate it. And if you'd like to be read out, leave a five-star review. If you don't want to be read out, you want to tell us you hate us, or if you want us to read out the fact that you hate us, say you hate us in a five-star review and go right ahead. Um, but any review, any commentary, any ideas or advice or anything that anyone has that can make this podcast better, just let us know. There's an email form on our website, actually, that allows you to write to us. Um, we just want to make a better product every single week that we can. We really appreciate all the input that you all have. Now, before we go on, do uh, CJ or Brittany, do you have any more input? Happen, happen near. Just thanks for coming along this ride with us, and I'm excited to see what 2022 brings. 2022. Well, happy new year, everyone! Thanks for spending some time with us. We'll see you in two weeks. Catch you next time. Thank you for joining us for another episode of the Birdie Bunch podcast. We would like to thank Sarah Dunlap for designing our logos and Connor Whitman for being our music producer. The mission of the Birdie Bunch podcast is to inspire an inclusive community for conservation by using education to promote fascination.